very rarely is our internal dialogue our own voice. Like a lot of times the self-limiting beliefs that we have or the things that we hold true about ourselves are usually imposed from somebody else. Like when you really get to the root of it, you're like, oh shit, that was that was actually my dad or my mom or a teacher or somebody. And then it helps to then be able to like rewrite that narrative in your own voice and one that actually serves you. Welcome to Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Are you ready to cut the crap with your diet and exercise, get strong as fuck, and build a healthy relationship with food? Then you've come to the right place. Let's Let's go. If you'd like to support us in the podcast, join our Patreon where you get exclusive content, which consists of monthly workouts you can do at home or at the gym, monthly challenges that are either strength, habit, or mindset-based, and access to over 100-plus low-calorie, high-protein, family-friendly meals. These are all designed by a professional chef who is certified in nutrition. These recipes are already in my fitness pal for easy fucking tracking. New recipes are also added each week. We believe that fitness is for everyone, so this is our way of getting you started on your health and fitness journey at a price most everyone can afford. So what the fuck are you waiting for? I'll see you on the Patreon. told the story on his podcast, Mind Over Macros, but his fiance has DM'd me a long while ago asking me to be, I should be on his podcast. And I'm like, okay, you know, um, but I'd never heard anything. And then she messaged me again. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know if he follows me, but um, then I just never heard anything. And so I saw him um, at NCI, um, their um, summit. Um <laughs> I also went up to him and I was like, Hey, do you have a girlfriend or somebody that, you know, would be messaging me to be on your podcast? He's like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I swear he thought I was nuts. And then, um, the next day uh, he asked her and she's like, yeah, I did. And so, so <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm really not a fucking psycho. <laughs> And she's like, don't you remember? I showed you her profile. I sent you some of her reels. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I remember. <laughs> but she, it's so not her personality to do that. So immediately I was just like, no, absolutely like, That makes not. no sense. <laughs> yes. Turns out I'm the crazy. <laughs> no. Um, so, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Um, we'd love to hear, you know, how you got into coaching and things like that. Yeah, for sure. So I always tell a story from like, how I grew up because it kind of paints the picture of the weird path that I took. I grew up an athlete and never thought that I would be in fitness or nutrition. I just played sports. I was active. I ate a lot. I never had to think about what I was doing in terms of nutrition or health or anything like that uh, because I had the fast metabolism and I was always super active. Uh, my family dynamic, I was definitely exposed to diet culture from a very young age, but it didn't really land on me. Like I always thought, oh, I'm just the lucky one. And why can't everybody just eat what they want and be happy in their body? And uh, my my mom was always on a diet. I always remember her counting points and getting the the low fat options and the butter sprays and all of those things. And then my oldest sister had a serious eating disorder and almost lost her life to anorexia. Uh, and at some point or another, everybody in my family kind of struggled except for me. I thought like I'm, I'm the fortunate one. And then I went off to college. I kept playing sports and was just doing my thing and graduated and stopped being active and started or continued drinking like a college kid and eating like a college kid, like so fast food do. three times a day and, and just, you know, a lot of beer, a lot of tequila, whatever it was. And 
Um, I gained about 80 pounds in the span of maybe a year and a half at most two years. It was very quick. And then I remember I was still in Maryland. I stayed an extra year after I graduated and I was in this house. I had, we had like seven roommates. One of them ended up becoming my wife, who's now my ex-wife. And uh, I remember waking up one morning and looking in the mirror and just not recognizing myself. Like for some reason, it was that morning, that moment that it all just like slapped me in the face. And I didn't recognize who I was, but it was, it was really like the stories that accompanied that moment that really sent me into a spiral. I had a, a good um, close group of friends that I went to high school with and we all played soccer and basketball together. And all I could think about was I can't go home and see these people because they're going to be like, what the hell happened to you? And how did you go from athlete to this? And my solution was I need to get this weight off as fast as humanly possible so I can get back to being me and I can feel comfortable getting on a basketball court or on a tennis court or whatever it may be. And that led me down the path of starvation and hours of cardio every day. I was doing like two hours minimum of cardio doing, you know, eating like the 1200 calorie meal plans. In fact, the first diet that I ever tried, it was, there was a cardio machine that I bought and I put it in my little apartment. And on the very last page, there was like a meal plan that was like drink freezing cold water all day and like eat these foods. And it, was, it basically was like 1200 calories. And I would lose a ton of weight and people would notice and tell me how much better I looked and all these things. And it would encourage me to keep going. And then I would reach my tipping point and I would binge and overindulge and gain all the weight back. And then I would jump to the next program. And I was so susceptible to any like diet marketing messaging that was like, lose weight fast and drop 20 pounds in two days. I'm like, yes, I need that. Uh, so I bought all the programs. I tried all of the, the fads and I was in that cycle for the better part of a decade. And it really damaged relationships. It put me in a dark place. I hated my body. I hated you know, obsessing over food every day. I had a horrible relationship with exercise. I was miserable doing cardio and two hours a day, I'm just you know, trying to plow through and just get it done because I think that's what I have to do. Uh, eventually, I crawled out of that place. I found uh, my, a solution that actually worked for me. I learned more about nutrition and metabolism and building muscle and strength training and sustainability and how to build sustainable habits for your life. And um, ultimately, that was what led me to want to pay it forward and help other people. So uh, I started out as a personal trainer, then became a nutrition coach, and then started my own nutrition coaching business. So I've been in the industry for now over 10 years. I've had my business for just about five. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story because I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people that are listening can absolutely relate to everything you just said because that's pretty like totally. common, like all those, you know, going for those shiny objects and the quick, the quick fat loss because we're, we are desperate. So many people are desperate that they will just go and just do anything. So what was like the turning point where you started to go kind of in the right direction? Yeah, it was actually, so I had moved back home or like in the area where, where I'm from outside of Philadelphia. I was married at the time and I had been doing like these fads and challenges and all of these different programs and losing weight and gaining, uh, gaining it back. And uh, I had tried this challenge at a local gym. It was like a new year, new you challenge. And there was this list of foods. It was like, you're allowed to eat these foods and you're not allowed to eat these foods. So I'm, I'm very obsessive. I get all into things and I'm like, I, I got to master this. I'm going to be the best challenger in the whole group, I'm going to, you know, win the challenge, whatever. And 
So I'm like at the grocery store and I'm looking at the list and I'm all excited and like thinking about healthy, quote unquote, healthy foods that I used to enjoy. And I'm like, well, I always, when I was younger, I used to have some apples or I would snack on carrots or things like that. And then I'm looking on the list and apples and carrots were on the can't eat list. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. I thought they were healthy, but I guess they're not. And anytime I would like ask a question, the guy who ran the challenge would just be like, hey, follow the plan and you're going to get results. I'm like, all right, fair enough. I'll follow the plan. And I developed orthorexia through that process where I became so obsessed with clean eating that like, I, I wouldn't go out to restaurants. I wouldn't go out with friends. I wouldn't go out with family. Be like, hey, we're having this like family get together and be like, oh, I'm sick. I can't do it. I have this other plan, whatever. I would cancel plans on, on everybody. And there was a moment where I was in my little townhouse with my wife at the time and she wanted to go out. She's like, we haven't been on a date night in forever. We haven't, like, we, we used to love to travel. We haven't been anywhere. We haven't done anything. Like, can we get back to doing things and enjoying life? And I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? We, we do fun stuff all the time. She's like, no, you will never go out because you don't want to drink. You don't want to eat. You're obsessed with your diet. And I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to be healthy. Anyway, she's like, I'm going to make plans. I'm going to go out with some friends. So she goes out. And then I'm sitting there on the couch with like chicken and broccoli. Like, this is the only thing that I have right now. Like I, the things that I say I value, I value relationships. I value family. I value friends. There's a wedge in all of the things that I say that I love. Like my marriage is not going so well. My, I have a, you know, like I'm not seeing family anymore that my family has always been super close my high school group of friends, like we're, we still talk every single day. And there was that time where I'm just, I'm bailing on everybody. So here I am, all I have left is my chicken and broccoli. And I'm like, this is not what I want for my life. There has to be a better way. And uh, that was like kind of the awakening moment of, I got to do things differently because if I keep going down this path, I literally will have nothing left and I'll have nobody left. And I didn't want that. So that was the catalyst to, to figure things out and to really understand like, what does it look like to be able to still pursue fitness, health, whatever it was. I think part of the issue was I didn't actually know what I was pursuing. I was just chasing numbers and like, no matter mm -hmm. what the scale said, it was never good enough. And eventually it was like, let's figure out what this is really all about and, and what it means to be healthy. Why, why do you want to achieve these goals? And then let's figure out how to do this in a sustainable way. So that was the, the turning point for me that, that led me down the right path. Absolutely. And orthorexia, that's not something that many people consider when they talk about the harmful side effects of restrictive diets and all these restrictive behaviors. And, you know, because it forms that unhealthy relationship with food and it just takes over everything. Like the only, like the, it's either healthy or it's not. And that's the only way you look at food. And that's a very black and white way of looking at things, very unhealthy way of, th of looking at things. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of research to back that up that people who view food as good versus bad or this dichotomous way of looking at food actually struggle more with maintaining a healthy body weight. There's a direct correlation there. So, and I found that to be true for myself. And it was actually my sister who ended up becoming an eating disorder specialist. She's a therapist. She's very well known in her field. And she was the one that tried to tell me that I had a problem and I didn't want to hear it. I got very defensive and I'm like, I'm just trying to better myself and be healthy. Meantime, I was there at lunch with her, like I'll have the salad, but only the lettuce and just the chicken and nothing else. And don't cook it in oil and don't cook it in butter. And just, I just want chicken and lettuce and nothing else. Like, I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see that as a problem. 
but yeah. So eventually it kind of, you know, it all made sense. Like, yes, I actually do need some help. Mm -hmm. So did you, did you actively seek out help then for working through, um, you know, the orthorexia? Yeah. So a lot of it was, uh, I went through, uh, a real nutrition coach Mm -hmm. who educated me and, and helped me see, you know, that food is, is more than just good versus bad, healthy, unhealthy, uh, he helped me to understand why all of the fads that I had tried weren't going to work and were not supposed to work. And, and kind of like once, once that all clicked, once I could see all of the flaws in how traditional diets are structured, it just, it was like this liberating, almost like the shackles were released. And I, I could see the path to what I actually wanted to accomplish. And, and then I ended up, you know, doing some therapy as well, which was really helpful for, um, not even just the relationship with food, but my relationship with myself and, you know, kind of my own identity or self-limiting beliefs and things that I've been able to work through that have been really beneficial in kind of the the journey that I've been on. That's amazing. Well, props to you, man, for seeking out help when, when you knew that what you were doing wasn't working for you and, you know, it was leaving you feeling like you had nothing other than your chicken and chicken and breakfast. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh about it, but I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. So I've been there. I, I mean, I, I did mm-hmm. that kind of stuff when I was actually drinking. So I would, you know, drink a bottle of wine and then I would juice the next day, right? I would eat clean. I would give my husband shit for eating ice cream. Meanwhile, I'm a fucking raging alcoholic. You know, and I see it every single day, even in the comment section, makes me really sad when people uh, I'll talk about diet soda or seed oils not being, you know, poisonous. And then you, you get these people that are like, well, I only eat food in their clean and natural state. How could you put those things in your body? And I look at that and I'm like, that was me. I'm like, when you know better, you do better. Um, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that have that distorted good, bad, um, poison, not poison type of thinking. Yeah, completely. I would, I would say that in my opinion, that when you are stressing mentally, like you're looking at a donut and you're like, oh, this food is unhealthy and I shouldn't eat it. And you have this guilt and shame and stress associated with, with it. That is less healthy than just eating the fucking donut. Yeah. Like just, just eat donut, then that is going to be way better for your mental health and your physical health too, to just be able to enjoy it and move on and be like, that was really delicious. And now I'm going to go on about my life. Yes, of course, we want the majority of the foods that we consume to be quality. But at the same time, there needs to be room for moderation, balance, whatever you want to call it. So Mike, you just said something in there about the donut being healthy physically. So what or or the impact of uh, Well, he said he said mentally, but then you also said something about physical health. And I'm assuming what you meant by that is the stress that you're causing yourself and your body, right? By, By worrying about the fucking donut, the stress you're putting on your body is more harmful than any potential, you know, the amount of sugar that you're eating right then and there, right? Yes, completely. And like a donut is just going to be broken down and used for energy anyway. Right. Like I get, if you're only eating donuts and you're <laughs> over consuming donuts, it's very different. But if you have a, a healthy relationship with food and you don't view it as I'm doing something wrong, you don't do it, view it as this food is bad for me. It's unhealthy. You start to worry about, you know, there's a lot of fear mongering out there. So you'll have people who are saying, oh, that causes inflammation. And it's like, do you understand that inflammation is not just like, if it's going to be chronic, then yes, that's an issue. But if it's a single donut, it's not going to create inflammation to the point of uh, deteriorating your health. But if you eat the donut 
and you're active and you eat mostly quality foods, then yes, it can absolutely contribute to physical health, mental health, emotional health. There is more to food than just fuel or nourishment. It's also a way to connect. It's a way to celebrate. There's sometimes it is based around family traditions, holidays. There's so many more uses for food than just, you know, it's healthier. Right. And you, you mentioned chronic, you know, chronic inflammation there because, you know, food, the acute um, inflammation that may be potentially caused by food, whatever we're eating doesn't lead to chronic inflammation, right? That's where people kind of get those two kind of mixed up. And then we see that all the time with carbohydrates and sugar intake, right? Because that acute response to that our body has to that sugar is to spike our blood sugar. So people are like, oh, of course it's bad then. But we, what we know that's not what necessarily leads to, you know, long-term insulin resistance and things like that. Yeah. And I think that message, there's always nuance. There's always context that's necessary. And I think the message that a lot of people have around even something like stress, and you hear a lot of coaches, they're like, you can't be stressed. You have to reduce stress. You ha-, And it's it's missing the, the point because some stress is a good thing mm-hmm. and we need to be challenged. And the only way that we get better is if we impose a stressor on our body or minds, like When we learn new information, we are stressing out the brain to try to absorb and process and then retain information. And then we recover and we sleep and then we wake up and we have this new information in our minds. And and that's how we get better. When we physically get stronger, we break down muscle tissue, we stress out the body. It's like, oh my God, am I going to get crushed under this barbell? And then you survive and then you recover and you get stronger. You build, you know, new muscle tissue or whatever it may be. So it's not that all stress is bad. It's that dose dependent. You need to be able to recover. You need to have the resources to uh, accommodate for the demands that you're placing on your body. And that's where, yes, under eating chronically is a stressor and and trying to um, only eat like highly processed foods and over consuming is a stressor or too much inflammation, right? So it's always about the context and the nuance that uh, sometimes people stress themselves out by thinking they have to eliminate stress. It's not really about eliminating stress, that's impossible. It's about understanding that every dose of stress needs a dose of recovery. Ooh, I like Ooh, that. Yeah. Like Golden your, Nugget, every dose of stress needs a <laughs> dose of recovery. Mike Milner, that's right amazing. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down. I know, right? That's in my little noggin. You know, the things with inflammation too, and that's one fairly common thing that I like to do in the comments when people are going back and forth about inflammation, like strength training causes inflammation. Are you trying to tell me that, you know, strength training is bad for us? Because that's what they like to say is like, oh, inflammation, inflammation is bad. Just that generic blanket statement, right? Which doesn't help anybody. So it's like a little gotcha moment. And they're like, well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm like, but you just said inflammation is bad. You didn't, you didn't qualify that whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you hear a blanket statement, that should Typically, it's a it's a red flag alert that somebody is trying to push an agenda or they have a clear angle they're trying to take. And it's usually it's around fear mongering around certain foods, which is unfortunately very, very, it sells. It's crazy. It's out of control. So, Mike, I'm curious when I was when I was learning more about you, I came across the personality diet. What is the personality diet? Is is that something that you've created yourself? Yeah. So. Well, number one, it's a title of a book that I wrote. And really the concept came from when I started as a nutrition coach, I was a personal trainer. I was working at this local gym and I started to notice that everybody had the same struggle that I had. They were showing up to the gym consistently, like they were dedicated four times a week, five times a week, six times a week, and their bodies weren't changing and they were frustrated. And nine times out of 10, 
it was nutrition. I don't know what to eat. I try to stay on this diet, then I fall off or I do this program and I fall off. I'm like, you're, you're basically retelling my whole story. So that was really what led me down the nutrition path. And I didn't know at the time that nutrition coaching was, was a, a job. I didn't know that it was a career. I literally was just like, I'm going to figure this out. And there was a client at the gym who's now my fiance, who was the one that reached out to Beth. Um, so she was my first ever nutrition coaching client. And at that point, I just like gave her some macros and she was like hyper responder and got super lean. And I was like, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> it, it didn't work that way for, for the next five people that were like, I want those results. And I'm like, yeah, here, just follow these mm-hmm. macros. And they're like, all right, that didn't work. <laughs> so I told her, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, but I am going to be a nutrition coach. I'm going to make this my career. So I start doing some research. I start taking all these certifications. I get as much education as I possibly can. And then I find this company online and I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. I can actually coach people online. I didn't, it's like, this is like a wild concept to me. And I reach out and I'm like, whatever I need to do to get started, just I'll do it. And they're like, okay, cool. You can join as an intern. We'll pay you $50 a week. I'm like, all right, done. So I end up working for that company. I start working with some people, building up experience, and then they start growing and I am growing with them and I end up being one of their like head coaches. And at that point, I was like making six-figure salary. It's like I can't believe I get to do this job and like actually make a living. And they decided to go in a direction that I really disagreed with. Like they took this process of nutrition coaching and they tried to turn it into all automation. Like there was no more personalized coaching. It was all like you click a button and it sends off like an automated response. Everything is very like algorithmic. And even like the messages that you would send to clients, it would be auto-populated. And all we would do is change the name so that it looked like it was personalized. And it was just, I was like, this is not right. But so I had this kind of moral dilemma. Ultimately, I uh, realized that I needed to part ways, but I wasn't, it was like, I know I don't agree with this company, but how can I leave a job that like I'm, I'm doing what I want to be doing and I'm making good money and how can I leave this, this cushy job? And eventually things kind of came to a head. And the, the thing that really stood out to me was that when they switched their model and they went to this like automation process, everyone was struggling. And like, they had a huge program. They had tens of thousands of people. And I was able to look at like all these data points of what people, so we could like go into the backend system and like look at the goals that people have and their trends. And like 99% of people are saying they want fat loss and they're gaining weight or they're like, you know, just not making any progress. And like the failure rate was through the roof. And because it was so automated, there was not like we couldn't communicate really. So I was like, all right, things aren't going well with this company. I, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to end up leaving. Let me just start talking to these people and, and seeing what they're all about. And those conversations were some of the most impactful because it was always about their mindset and like their relationship with food and the feelings that we talked about of like, I feel guilty if I eat a donut and then I restrict myself and then I binge. And it was, I'm like, and yet all we're doing is telling them just to macro harder, like hit your macros. There's no actual coaching. So that was really like the turning point for me where I realized that 
a lot of coaching is mindset. A lot of coaching is like, how do we take the way that you're wired and what we know about human psychology and behavior change? And how do we apply that to nutrition? Because the way that it's done right now is ass backwards. And that was really where like the personality diet came to be because I had a, a coach who helped me get on the right path. And he was the one that was like, this is your personality. And this is the way that you should be doing things that fit with your personality. Like, you're trying to fight against your nature. Like you're trying to fit yourself into somebody else's box. Like let's, let's create your lane. And it made so much sense. And then through those conversations, it was like, I knew I had the answer all along. I just didn't realize it was right in front of me when I had worked with that coach, but I had to go through my own kind of roundabout way of finding like, this actually makes sense. If we care more about the psychology of the individual and the thoughts that they have about themselves and their identity and the future self that they want to become and really get into like how behavior change actually happens. Um, that's what coaching to me is all about. So personality diet was a way that I wanted to frame it because in marketing, you need kind of a catchy name. And I didn't like explaining all of it and being like, well, it's individual and it's based off of you. And it, it all depends on, on your lifestyle right. and your preferences and all these things. That doesn't so sound convoluted. Sexy, right? <laughs> you can't it. market that. Sounds like personality diet. Mm -hmm. That's the name of the book. That's the name of the process. And, and, and we actually do a personality assessment for every client that comes to work with us so that we can learn about their tendencies and about their strengths and weaknesses and what they gravitate towards, what motivates them. And it just gives us, I feel like a, a better starting point to build that relationship. That. Totally. It all starts with our mindset. Yeah. We can't say this enough. It's all, you know, there's no one size fits all, right? So, you know, one person might be able to meal prep easily and one person may not stand a second in the kitchen and try to itemize everything in their little containers. You know, so it's like you can't tell one person to do one thing and one person to do the same thing because it, it's not going to work if they're two different types of people. When the world feels crazy and chaotic, remember that you don't have to. You deserve to take control of your mental and physical health. And Cured Nutrition is trying to make it easier for you to do exactly that. Cured wants you to feel good about feeling good. So they took their time formulating their Serenity gummies. They left out the artificial flavors, sugars, and dyes and replaced them with ingredients that actually live up to their wellnessy word. Finding calm in this fast-paced world can be very challenging. That's why I use and love the Serenity gummies. They help to provide a physical, mental, and emotional sense of calm in everyday life. I personally like to take them before a long day of calls and meetings. The Serenity gummies bring me to a happy place and they prepare me for the day's challenges while also helping me to serve others to the best of my ability by providing a sense of peace and calmness in my body and mind. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, our listeners. You can grab a bag of Serenity gummies for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com CTC and using coupon code CTC at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com CTC and coupon code CTC at the checkout to save 20%. Protect your peace, Papa Gummy. So essentially kind of what you kind of just alluded to is how these like cookie cutter programs and plans, while they may work for some people, that's not really what most people need is, is that just that generic bot response from people. And I, I, and unfortunately we still see that a little bit in the industry, but I do think that it's hard for those companies to kind of get by anymore because people are starting to see through them. Like I, I, I see it all the time in messages with prospective clients. They're like, Oh, I was chatting with so-and-so, but it felt like a bot. It felt like an AI response. I'm like, it probably was. Yeah. I, I hope you're right. I'm a, I'm a little bit more jaded. <laughs> I feel like a lot of those pro 
programs still exist and are going it's strong. They're so cheap and affordable for people too, but cheap isn't and, good. And it really does. Like it does play on our, on our psychology. Like when you hear about like, Hey, you're going to lose 30 pounds in six weeks. Even if your logic brain tells you that that's not sustainable, it's the dopamine hit. It's the visualization of they've already planted that seed of fast results. So it's hard to be able to separate that emotional response to be like, yes, I, I really want that. And I find myself gravitating towards that to, th- to then be able to pause and be like, okay, wait, I've been down this road before. I know it's not sustainable. I know that's not going to be the best path for me. Um, that's a difficult thing to ask individuals to do. And there's, there's a lot of fear mongering out there. There's a lot of, you know, promises of quick fixes and fast results. And um, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, who can do it cheaper and faster, unfortunately. So I hope that you're right. I hope that the kind of like collective knowledge is is turning and that the tide is turning where those programs will be, you know, yeah. out of business. Yeah. And but. I'm not necessarily dogging on those generic programs. What what really just grinds my gears is when somebody is selling a custom coaching program, but then it's actually just cookie cutter bullshit. That's what, what really grinds my gears there. And we do see that a lot, unfortunately. Like I thought I was paying for, you know, custom macros and, and full, full co- um, messaging and, you know, 24 hour response times, but I got one message a week from a, from an automated response and the check-in form was never reviewed and things like that. It's like, damn. It's still rampant, Matt. I just got a DM literally yesterday asking me how to get out of a 12 year or 12 month contract um, with their new coach that never (laughs) responds to their messages. And she's like in this portal with like nothing. She's like, there's no community. There's like, no one talks to me. How do I get out of this? So it's still going on here. It's, pretty sad. Yeah. I'm not oblivious to that. I just, maybe I'm just looking at it more optimistically. Like, damn, I just really don't want this to be a thing anymore. You know? I can't believe it is, but yeah. It's- Cause I just know how we've positioned our businesses. You know, the three of us, we all have a very similar mindset with focusing on the behaviors and mindset as, as it pertains to health and wellness. But that's, that's also a hard buy-in too, for people is, is like, let's stop worrying about fat loss at all costs. And like, let's look at yourself. It's, it's, it's hard to, to sell that to people. Quick fat loss cells. Like we're going to, we're going to, you're going to get this Mm -hmm. result, like X amount of weight and X amount of time. And you know, it's the low price, the quick fat loss sell. And it's like, how do people get out of that consistent roller coaster of chasing that? It's really taking them a lot longer to reach their goal by keep searching for that quick, quick, quick. Yeah. I think unfortunately it comes down to recognizing the pattern based off of past experience to say, where did I end up when I chased the fast result? Where did I end up when I pursued, you know, immediate results instead of delaying gratification? And yeah, the, the quote unquote long way is always the shortcut in the end. It's just how quickly can you recognize the pattern? And that was, you know, for me, I, I was a slow learner. I repeated the process for a long time before I was like, wait a minute, this is giving me the same outcome. It's the same exact, like, different dressed up version of the same shit. I have to identify the fact that I'm actively choosing to make the process more difficult than it needs to be. So unfortunately, I do think that sometimes it's just you got to pull from past experience and have enough self-awareness to recognize that these these things, if they were going to work, they would have worked by now. I love how you said the the long way is usually the the shorter way, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, so I was doing a Facebook live yesterday in my group, in my Facebook group yesterday, and it was the topic was fat loss and, and the scale and things like that. Um, I asked everybody in the in the comments watching the stream to raise their hand if they had been dieting, trying to lose fat for more than ten years. Seventy five percent of the people rose their hand. I'm like, 
What if you took the next six to 12 months to stop dieting, get away from the dieting mindset, and you're going to save yourself the next 10 years of your life? Like you've been doing it that way for 10 years. Aren't you fucking tired of it yet? Yeah, completely. I love that where if you say, hey, it's going to take you a year, like you've been trying to, you know, you want this goal. Okay, cool. Let's just say it's going to take you a year. And then they're like, a year? Oh, I don't want it to take a year. It's like, well, let me ask you, how long have you been working on this? They're like, oh, 15 years. Bingo. Like, oh, 15 years. We're going to, we're going to cut down that time frame by one fifteenth, and you're not taking that exchange. Like, like, that's just willfulness at that point. Yeah. So it's just the perspective change. You just have to sometimes change the frame so that they can see that actually in the grand scheme of things, a year is insanely quick. It really is. Just like you're, you had a little clip on, <laughs> Mike had a great clip on uh, social media. It was uh, the simple truth about fat loss. It's, it's fucking slow. <laughs> It's just no one wants to hear that, but that's it is it's slow. Any process of change. And if you think about it, like any any system where there's a process of change happening, you want it to be almost unnoticeable because if it's too fast, the system breaks. And the ideal speed is where it's almost unnoticeable, but you can you can kind of see it happening. But then when you look back over, you know two, four, six years, you can't believe how much has changed. It's like I used an analogy on my podcast where it's like you, you know, for anybody who has kids, you don't notice day-to-day changes. Like it's not like you look at your kids every single day and you're like, wait, is, is your, are you getting older? I can't really. But when you look back after, you know, five years, you're like, holy shit, is this the same person? How did you just sprout into a human like this in, in such a short time? Uh, it's the same process if you just recognize like I'm doing the things that I need to do that I know will elicit change. I don't care how fast it happens. When you look back, it'll be faster than you can believe. Yeah. And the Absolutely. fact that you're improving your life as you go. It's it's like it's not really about all about that weight loss. It's really about improving your relationship with food, just improving your mental health, improving, you know, your cardiovascular health. Just everything is included in that. And that shit doesn't happen overnight it's you know repairing years and years of disordered eating what have you yeah completely i think we've been conditioned often to not see those positives because i i know i'm sure you guys both experience this where sometimes you'll you'll communicate with a client and they're like i don't know i'm just really frustrated things aren't going so well and you're like oh well tell me about that and then you kind of start to peel back the layers and it's like well they're they're hung up on like one poor decision but then when you start to ask about some of the things that went well, it's like, I felt stronger in the gym. I have more energy than I ever have. And like, oh, I actually noticed that my clothes are fitting better. And you're like, wait a minute. And that's really what like, coaching is right there. It was a total <laughs> failure, but like, this is exactly what we're looking mm-hmm. for. It's okay that you had, like our, our brains will attach more to, to negative things because we're survival-based creatures. So the negative events will be more profound. It's just being able to actively move your attention to what went well? What did I do well? Are there changes that I'm noticing? And I think we've been so conditioned to just get hung up on the scale's not moving fast enough, or I made this one poor decision. So everything's a failure. It's like we, we often think the only two grades we can get are an A plus or an F. And there's, there's a whole lot of middle ground there. And that's usually where the success happens. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So when did you um, start the journey of kind of writing the book behind the personality diet then? Uh, let's see. The book was written probably three years ago. Um, uh, so yeah, when I, when I first started, I actually had been doing some work with 
uh, personality psychology, doing the whole personality assessment thing uh, when I started my business. So it was about five years ago. And then uh, the book, it, there was, there's two reasons that I did the book. Number one, I got asked to do it frequently. People were like, you, you need to, to write this out into a book. And the second reason is that I had a high school teacher who told me I was a bad writer. And because she told me I was a bad writer, I stopped writing from like the time I was in high school until after college. And I just always assumed that it was true. And I didn't realize that I was only telling myself that because she told me that. And then once I actually, I was forced to do a writing assignment for like a random job that I had after college and I actually enjoyed it. And I was like, huh, this was kind of fun. And then I started writing more. I was like, I actually enjoy this. Why did I think I wasn't a good writer? And then I connected it back to that moment in high school when I was a senior and this teacher told me that I wasn't a good writer. And I believe that to be true. And it's really hard to get better at something when you're not doing it. Anyway, when I started my business, I was like, I'm going to write every single day. I'm going to write an email every single day to anybody who subscribes to my, my email list. And I got really good at writing. And so I felt like that was the ultimate fuck you to her was to publish a book. <laughs> I love that. And you do write incredible emails. Like that is part of your course in NCI. So it's like, and yep. you know, what's interesting about that, someone telling you something that you took with you, and this is what a lot of people do. They'll hear one statement about themselves from somebody. Just It could be anything. And they will think about that. And that will literally change the trajectory of their entire fucking life. It's their entire belief system. Yeah. And so the fact that you turn that around, you're like, actually, I'm really fucking good. And I love doing this. It's actually really incredible. Very rarely is our internal dialogue our own voice. Like a lot of times the self-limiting beliefs that we have or the things that we hold true about ourselves are usually imposed from somebody else. Like when you really get to the root of it, you're like, oh shit, that was that was actually my dad or my mom or a teacher or, or somebody. And then it helps to then be able to like rewrite that narrative in your own voice and one that actually serves you. I love it. Definitely. And that's that's where a lot of our relation our behaviors and relationships with food and ourselves stems from because of just one off the wall comment that maybe Aunt Karen made at a get a family get together or something, you know. And that stuck with 10-year-old Sally for the rest of her life. And she doesn't realize it until 30 years later when she's like, I'm just so unhappy in where I'm at in my life. And then she starts unraveling. It's like, oh shit. Like I do remember that now. And it's like that really shaped my entire trajectory. Yeah, completely. It's always always Aunt Karen causing trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I, sorry for all the Karens out there. We we give Karens a, a hard time a lot. But Karens. to be fair, the, we we all, we do like to talk about Ken as well. So Ken's the alternative. Uh, the alternative. Carnivore Ken. So, <laughs> carnivore Ken. <laughs> yeah, it, it, self-efficacy, like believing in yourself, is one of the. Um, it's a really big thing, and you're actually succeeding in the long run or sticking with something. It's like, okay, do I believe that I actually can do this? Um, and a lot of times people don't because of something that someone said. Um, and it's like, okay, how can we create these really quick wins? So you actually start to believe in yourself more and more. Yeah, it's, it is. It's basically you're rebuilding a foundation of self-trust and self-belief uh, because once, once you start to make a lot of promises to yourself, and, and I think that weight loss is, is just, it's like the most obvious example. When somebody is trying to lose weight, they typically change everything all at once, which is like the fat diets or the templates that we've been talking about. It's like, I'm going to nail my nutrition. I'm going to start, like I, I haven't been to the gym in six years, but I'm going to go five days a week and I'm going to start this supplement protocol and I'm going to drink all my water and I'm going to do my self-care and have my wind down and they fix everything all at once, except you don't have a foundation. And so 
when they slip up, they make one mistake and they feel like, all right, that throws everything off. I'm a failure. They go back to their previous behaviors. And then that just builds up a lack of self-confidence and and trust in yourself that when you say you're going to do something, you have evidence now that you don't actually follow through. And the way that you resolve that is exactly what you just said. It's let's create the small wins that are quick and easy that you know, it almost feels too easy. Like, a five minute walk every day, or all we're going to do is just get, you know, protein with breakfast. And like, that's the win that we celebrate and acknowledge. And the reason why it's so powerful is because you're just rebuilding that self-trust or self-confidence bank account. It's just like a little deposit every single day. And then that compounds over time. And then we can move to the bigger rocks. And, you know, it's like, let's, let's not go from step, you know, from, from point A to point Z, let's go from A to B. And then once you feel really confident there, we go from B to C and, and just one step at a time. Yeah. But I like to add on to that, you know, sometimes people don't want to do that because it's so slow. It's so slow, Mike. Like I can, I can't just take a five minute walk uh, a day. I have to do more. Like, what do you, what do you say to that? There's, you know, that this is actually going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah, it's great. It's like, show me, show me that we can do five minutes a day. And then we have more waiting for us. Like there's always going to be a time for more, but the purpose is to build the proof and the confidence. The purpose is not, oh, I could burn more calories with this extra time walking. The purpose isn't, I could make my results happen faster. The purpose is literally building trust in yourself that when you say you're going to do something, you're going to follow through, or we can just pull from recent history. Like what was the last diet that you tried that didn't work for you? And how did you, you know, how did you handle that? You probably jumped into everything all at once and that didn't go so well. It's like, what I want to know is what can you do on your worst day when everything goes to shit, when, when life throws every curveball imaginable, like your kid's homesick and you get into an argument with your spouse and your boss is being a dick and all like literally on your absolute worst day, What's the thing that you can still get done? Because that's where we're going to start and we're going to acknowledge it. And once you build up that confidence in yourself that you're going to follow through, then we can add on. There's always going to be time for more. And Healthy foundation. Mm-hmm. And the slow way is actually the shortcut. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if we do it this way, it's going to be faster than if we do it your way. Right. Patience. And sometimes, and sometimes you just have to let people try it their own way, even when they're working with you. You're like, okay, fine. You're very, you're very resistant <laughs> to this. I understand that. But so let's go ahead. Let's, let's, let's try it your way. But if, you know, that's one thing I like to say then, but if it doesn't work, are you prepared to try it a different way? You know? Yeah, exactly. And usually there'll be like, okay, fine. Yes. And then they'll, <laughs> you know, they'll do it their way. And we, we already know what the result y- usually is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'll, I'll say, uh, sometimes you need to get the thing to realize it's not the thing. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, if I, you know, if I just had a six pack, then I'd be happy. Like, okay, let's, let's get the six pack to show you that it's not going to change your happiness or let's get a test of that, you know, whatever you Mm -hmm. think the thing is like, sometimes you need to get the thing to realize it wasn't the thing. And it can be a tough lesson to learn, but that's why having a coach to be like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this and it's going to suck. Like when we have clients who are already lean and I want to see what it's like to get even leaner. We're like, we can do it. It's going to suck. You're probably going to be miserable. Like let your husband know that you're, he's not going to get laid for a while. It's just, this is, these are the realities that are, that are going to happen when you're dieting like that. And like, all right. And then they go through the process and they're like, oh, you were right. This sucks. I'm not doing that. So Definitely. sometimes you get there just to realize that it's not a big deal. And 
that's why people will all the time use weight loss. Like weight, losing this weight is going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things like that I can't discourage enough is, is having that mindset because losing weight and getting that ideal body that you, that you have for you in your head, that's not going to change anything in your life. It's not going to change your habits, your behaviors. It's not going to change the way you talk to yourself, the way you think to yourself and the way you interact with others. So why will just losing 50 pounds and that's it make you happy? It just doesn't make any sense. Exactly. There's usually a bunch of stuff that they have in their brain about what they associate with 50 pounds of weight loss. And that's where you start to maybe tease yeah. out some of the real, like what actually matters to you. Uh, there's, there's, there's likely a story or some accompaniments that like, well, 50 pounds means that I can do this, this, and this. Uh, so then it's like, oh, well, do you need to be 50 pounds lighter to do those things? It's like, well, I want this to allow me to be more active with my kids. And it's like, great, that, that's a worthy pursuit. Do you need 50 pounds before you're act- active with your kids? Or can we start that process right now and you're doing something that actually brings you joy while you're on this pursuit of better health? And then who cares if we land at 50 pounds or 40 pounds or wherever? Like you're you're actually focusing on something that truly makes you happy versus an arbitrary number. Nailed it. So nailed it. Yeah, because a lot of people will, they don't want to start something until the perfect time, or I'm not going to be able to whatever, go run with my son until I'm like 140 pounds. Um, It's like, no, you can probably start doing some of these things, like you said, right now, they may not look like they will six months down the road, but you can make those steps to, you know, keep doing those things that you want to do. And that goes back to what we've been talking about a lot in this episode is just the mindset side of things. Yeah. That's really that what, you know, waiting for that perfect time. You, you're so you're waiting for perfection. So you're telling me you're a perfectionist because like nothing in life is perfect. And we need to learn that we are flawed and we are not perfect. And there's going to be bumps and bruises and setbacks. But how we react to those things is ultimately what matters. Completely. It's always like the, the gift is in the gray. There's there's that gray area where you're not perfect. Uh, you understand that setbacks are going to happen. Failure is inevitable. You use them as learning opportunities to keep moving forward. That's how real progress happens. But I think sometimes we we do have this conditional belief in our mind that like, I'll be happy when, or it's like, I need more time. So I'm going to try to solve that problem by making more money. It's like, or I want to have more time with my kids. So I'm going to work overtime so I can make money so that eventually I could spend time with my kids. And it's like, well, now you're taking time away from your kids by working overtime instead of just implementing time with the, like the, the currency exchange is time. So let's look at where you're spending your time right now, instead of thinking that you automatically need more money to spend time with your kids. Like, are you wasting time on social media? Are you spending time on things that don't serve you? Can we reallocate that time to your children? And now you're getting exactly what you want without this conditional statement attached to it. Like I'll do this when, and we realize that, all of those best laid plans never come to fruition because life has a way of reminding us that even when the schedule is perfect, even when it's all clear, something's going to come up. Oh, yeah. There's always something. Always, always, and, always. Especially when it comes to the fat loss world. And, you know, there's always a holiday. There's an anniversary. There's deaths. And that's when people usually like go, you know, down and the graduation season right now, this, the downward slides. What people don't understand is there's never really a good time to start any of this because this is always going to happen. There's always going to be something. So learn to navigate your life during all of these things. Like 
I, I think I've heard. Yeah. Start when life is fucking crazy because that's going to teach you a that's, lot of shit. You actually may have more su- success when you actually start something during a very stressful time. And actually, that's backed by science, I believe, too. It's literally the best time to get started. Mm-hmm. I had somebody recently and she joined our program and then two days later, she was like freaking out. She's like, Mike, I totally forgot that before I signed up, like I have this trip coming up in three weeks and I'm not going to be, a, what am I going to do? I'm going to be away on vacation. And I was like, listen, Perfect. when we when we spoke, yes. you said that you wanted this to be a lifestyle and you wanted this to be for life. Are you ever going to take a vacation again? Or is this just the only time you're ever going away? And she's like, well, of course I'm going to take more vacations. I'm like, great. So are we going to this navigate this all thing? about real life or are we going to make this only in the time that you're not on vacation? She's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And like, yeah. sometimes the reframe is really helpful. Like mm-hmm. the holiday thing, you know, are we, are we only trying to have a healthy lifestyle outside of any holidays or birthdays? Like, no, we want this forever. So let's figure out how to do that when it's a little bit more stressful and chaotic, because then when things do settle down, you're already light years ahead of where you were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just perfectly nailed why we need, we need to just get started. It doesn't matter what you get started with. That's the thing that just fucking do something. Whether, like you said, like it's a five minute walk or just eating more fiber with your, with your first meal of the day or, or more protein, even um, anything. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, completely. Not matter. Start with the smallest thing that you can do on your worst day and start stacking up those wins and build that confidence in yourself and then just let it grow from there. So remember, start with the smallest thing on your worst day. Fucking love that. Gonna make that a clip. Small, small scene with the worst thing. Yeah, we we definitely will. We definitely will. <laughs> that is awesome. I already forgot the other one that Mike said in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, I I can't read your mind, but uh, <laughs> um, I know I do know you wanted to ask him about the um the neuro training though. I think yeah, I believe that's kind of like about. the personality um training, right? Neurotype training, just another maybe. It is. Yeah. So, Oh, um, sorry, Beth. I took your, your, your thunder on that one. That's fine. (laughs) It was a neurotype training. It was like the way to describe it that not a lot of people understood. So I still found myself having to explain the long winded way. And uh, it seemed like when I kind of like more branded it around personality, I still use both interchangeably because some people know neurotype training just because they've been following me for a while or, or whatever. And they have some more experience. I use both either or interchangeable okay gotcha got it it's like the predecessor Mm -hmm. (laughs) nice very cool mike do you have any help available to people if people wanted to connect with you like any resources or anything like that i do know you've got something that i saw on your instagram here so i'll just see what you have to say about it yeah so we have uh well we actually have like three i guess three levels of service that we provide with our we have our one-on-one, which is our bread and butter. That's like been the flagship program since I started the business, uh, kind of what it was all built on. Uh, that's still our most popular. That still delivers the best results. Um, and then we created a kind of lower level, more, it's not really group coaching because you still get a personal coach and there's still like individual check-ins and everything like that. It's just the level of access to the coach is a little bit less. Like you don't get to book calls, you don't get to text them, that sort of thing. So that, that was the one that uh, you get the two-week trial because what I found was that I was dealing with a lot of stories similar to what you mentioned, Beth, about the person who was like, I'm in this 12-month contract and I don't know what to do about it and this isn't what I thought. So I was like, oh, why not just come in and see what it's like for a couple of weeks? And at that point, you'll have all the information you need 
to make an informed decision. So we do a, a two week trial there for that middle tier program. And then we also have like a training only that's just workouts. Everything else is nutrition and training, mostly nutrition, lifestyle mindset. But then we do have a, uh, a guy that does all of our programs. And um, so we also have like a training only thing. All of that is at neurotypetraining.com if you're interested. Okay. Amazing. And for you personally, what's the best way for people to contact you if they want to, you know, connect with you after the show? Yeah. So um, I guess the easiest place would be Instagram. The handle is at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And then um, I have a podcast called Mind Over Macros. And that's where I ramble about lots of things like mostly personal development mindset. Um, Sometimes I talk about nutrition, although I find myself more interested in like the personal development and just individual growth type of topics. So that's more what I've been leaning into. Uh, There's plenty of stuff on there. There's like over 400 episodes now. So there's plenty of stuff on fat loss or metabolism. If that's your thing, that's on any podcast platform. How long have you been doing mind over macros? I started it in January of 2019. So Yes. You're an OG in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you, you said you record like twice a week, right? I do three episodes a week wow. now. Yeah. So I just added a fry. I was, I was doing Monday and Wednesday episodes for a long time. And I just added a Friday segment that I call the coach's compass, which is specifically for coaches. So the Monday, Wednesday is more for like clients and individuals who are trying to um, better themselves and get some information there. Uh, then the Friday is specific to coaches. I found that a lot of my audience was nutrition coaches or trainers, and they were, you know, a big part of you know the viewership or downloads that I was getting. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'll just do something specifically for you guys, and um, that's been really well received. I'm only, I think, like four episodes deep on that segment, um, but I've been getting a lot of positive feedback. So if you're a coach, you want yeah, to know, I have to check that out, or how to like become a coach, how to improve your skill set, how to get your dream clients to work with you, all of that stuff. Um, that's, that's the Friday episode. Perfect. Cause I know we've got quite a few coaches yeah. and a lot of coaching friends that, that listen to our show too. Um, you know, us coaches, we need resources too. We need support too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something Beth and I've been very adamant about is like our willingness to help other coaches too, that reach out to us. So I, I love that you have that for them. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thanks Amazing. for being well, here. Mike, dude. It was a yeah, great was conversation today. Great conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. So why not share it with a friend who needs to hear it? Send us a DM on Instagram or email us at cutthecrappod at gmail.com and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cutthecrappodcast. As always, we appreciate you and thanks for being here.